You're listening to Strong Runner Chick Radio, episode 61. Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hello, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome to another episode of SRC Radio. We have a very special guest. Um, Rachel, pronounce your last name because I'm going to butcher it. Like, I'm not even going to try. I, I appreciate that you have asked me to say it. So it is Shilkowski. Uh, that is my husband's last name. I went from Sorna to Shilkowski, so five letters to 11. It actually is pronounced exactly like it's spelled, but there's just so many letters that people just get really overwhelmed and they just give up right away. So um, I've come to just expect people are like, Rachel, Rachel S. Um, I'm just like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Well, Rachel, we're so happy to have you. And where are you joining us from? Uh, So I currently live in Providence, Rhode Island with the aforementioned husband. Uh, We moved here last summer and we bought a house, uh, our first house, and I started a new job. So we are officially Rhode Islanders. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Fun fact. Just I I lived there, but I can't remember it because I think I was less than a year old. But that was my first residency in Providence. So. Oh man. So you lived yeah. in Rhode Island and actually left Rhode Island. That's like something that yeah. we have come to discover <laughs> that people just don't leave here. Like you start in Rhode Island and then you have a family and then you have kids and then the kids grow up in Rhode Island and then they never leave Rhode Island. It's like <laughs> nobody leaves Rhode Island. So the fact that we moved in here is very strange. <laughs> Do you well, think you'll ever be out or... <laughs> Um, I don't know. Now it's like, now we're stuck. Um, but no, I don't know. Um, I mean, we'll probably always live somewhere in the Northeast and at least definitely on the East coast because both our families are, um, sort of in that region of the country. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I could see this really anywhere in the Northeast, but for the time being with this giant house that we just bought, I'm going to say we're not moving right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like a good plan, and I've heard, um, so I grew up kind of in Western Mass, but my parents live on Cape Cod, so they often visit um, Rhode Island and Providence in general because it's just very close to Cape Cod, believe it or not, so mm-hmm. um, they, they've, we, we enjoy going to the city quite a bit. It's very artsy, which I love. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got RISD down there. Um, there's lots of museums. Um, yeah, we really like it. I mean, we lived in Boston for a couple years after we graduated. And that was fun for a little while, but we got married kind of young, and I feel like Boston is a very cool place if you're like a young single. And then we got married, and we're like, well, we don't really want to go to the bars and meet people because we're married. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, and also Boston's just like really big, um, kind of expensive. Um, and Providence was just like a little more low key. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to have a fun night in the city, you can totally get that, but then Mm -hmm. you can also like, we have a house and it's quiet and um, yeah, so I feel like it's a, like a good balance of things. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're happy where you are, so I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. Um, so let's dive right in. Um, Rachel, how'd you get your start in running? Oh man, um, that can be attributed attributed to my high school best friend Victoria Sanford. So I played nine. Um, I played soccer for nine years before I started to run and she was on the soccer team with me. And I guess, I think she had done track her freshman year. And then my sophomore year, she's like, you should totally do track. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that. That doesn't really sound like much fun. Um, but then she convinced me to do it my indoor, indoor track of my sophomore year. 
And I just like instantly fell in love with it. And I legit never played soccer again. <laughs> I, I did indoor track that year and then outdoor track that year. And then my junior fall, because soccer and cross country were at the same time, you couldn't do both sports in my school. I had to decide. And it was like this huge decision. I actually wrote my college essay about this like monumental <laughs> oh, decision. Wow. Um, and I ended up picking cross country and then have been running ever since. Oh, very cool. Um, this is I a like, common occurrence, yes. Chelsea. <laughs> I literally say this every episode, and our listeners probably hate me for saying it. But the amount of guests we have on here, like I could, I feel like we could do a study on this, Meg. Like yeah, amount, we should. The amount of guests we have on here, Rachel, who say, "I started off as a soccer player." And then mm -hmm. I started running. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think it literally the trend started with Grayson Murphy back when she played soccer oh, yeah. in college and then just yeah. became a track star and run, run, is now running professionally. You know, like, yeah, I don't know what awesome. it is. Yeah, uh -huh. she rocks yeah, no, it. We, we love Grayson. I definitely hear that all the time where people will say, oh, you know, I did other sports and it's always soccer. That's like, yeah. the numb. I don't know if it's just because that's like a big sport or like a really yeah. big sport if you're a girl. Um, but yeah, there's definitely lots of soccer converts, as we like to call them. <laughs> I agree. Totally. Um, so, you know, when I was reading over your resume, I was, I was blown away. I just, you're a stellar athlete, my friend. And um, in college, you, you earned All-American honors five times, which is incredible. Um, so tell us a little bit about what your college experience was like, who you ran for, and kind of give us a little bit of background there. Yeah, um, so I ran for Cornell University, um, and yeah, I had a lot of success later on, um, but I think those stats can be a little bit misleading in that my freshman year was not very good um, at all. Um, I had a really great coach in high school and a really close-knit team, and I was really close with that coach, so when I went to Cornell, um, I had a really hard time transitioning um, just to a new team and a new coach and new training. And I was, I really resisted that change. Um, if you ask my coach, my college coach now, he'll be super nice about it. And he'll be like, Oh, it wasn't that bad, but I'm sure I was a pain in the butt. Like we, I just like, didn't do what he said. And I was just like, I'm going to do my own thing. So freshman year was just like a real struggle. Um, I didn't even make the HEPs team, which that's the Ivy league championship team and they take 12. <laughs> so I wasn't even in our top 12 my freshman year. Um, and then sophomore year, things like slowly started to get better, started to like put the pieces together school-wise and running started to come together too. So I think by the end of my sophomore year, I had like made our top seven and then things really started to click my junior year. So junior year, I was like either first or second on the team and then senior year um, was like leading the team at most most stuff. So it definitely was not all, all sunshine and rainbows, but I feel like once I, once I like figured out how to train and how to like study, um, things really came together. Um, but yeah, it definitely, definitely was not easy to start. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on something you said there, figuring out how to train and to study. Do you see a parallel between those two things, Rachel? Like, I feel like sometimes runners, are very type A and like really like put their whole heart into training and their whole heart into studying. And do you think it was a good balance that you had or was it, you know, one were all your eggs in one basket over the other or explain like balancing that work or I guess student athlete life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's funny that my junior, my junior fall, that was the first season where I, became an All-American. And that was also the first semester where I made Dean's List. So that's, I think it's like a three, five or above or something. Mm -hmm. And those two things coincided for the rest of my collegiate career. Like every season, you know, I was able to achieve both things. So I really feel like they, they like played off one another. Um, and earlier on in my career, I just like didn't quite feel settled. Like I didn't, I didn't trust the training yet and I didn't like I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I was doing the right thing with like studying like I felt like I was putting a lot of time into both things but maybe not necessarily being the most efficient like I would spend like hours 
studying math equations or something, um, but then later on figured out that, oh, you know, it's probably just better to go to office hours and ask the, ask the professor for some help. Um, so yeah, I feel like it was very much a learning process. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I feel like it, like when I think back and why both of them sort of came together at the same time, I feel like it was just like being more centered as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and that, yeah, it definitely was never like, I was focusing so much on running that I was like, oh, I don't need to do my homework or that I, you know, was studying for a test and I just wouldn't run. It was definitely like the two balanced each other out, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how did you achieve that balance? Like what, what's, what tips would you recommend for someone who's listening who maybe struggled their first few years or is currently struggling now? What advice do you have to give to them? Or do you have any advice to give to them? Um, I'd say to let, and I think I've said this in my other podcast, um, I think I'd say to let each one be a break from the other. Mm -hmm. Um, so like when I was, when I was at practice, I was just at practice. And, um, even if I had a big test or I was like really nervous about, you know, finishing my homework or something, I wouldn't bring that with me to practice. I would just like be in the moment. Like if it was an easy run, just go on a run with my teammates and talk about whatever and have fun. Or if it was a workout, just like really focus on that. And then on the flip side, you know, when I was in class or doing work, like say I had had a bad workout or something like not bringing that into the other, the other part of my life. Like I can focus on my schoolwork and um, try and do well. You know, like if I get, I do well on a test, um, then obviously, you know, that's a great thing, but that, that doesn't have to have any bearing on like who I am as a runner. Um, so yeah, trying to just like keep them, keep them separate. What is it? Uh, that word compartmentalize that mm. my college coach would always be like, you have to compartmentalize, um, which is very, it's a very hard thing to do, but yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely think, um, you know, you have to, you have to keep things, keep things sort of like in their boxes mm, yeah. um, so that like if you get too high or low in one thing it doesn't necessarily have to like spill into you know the other areas of your life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. now you say that now but i know um engineering is probably one of the most challenging majors um were you an engineer major from the get-go in college and why did you choose to pursue this avenue yeah. Um, so my dad is an engineer. He's an electrical engineer. Um, and it's not like he ever like forced me into anything like that. But I think I just like grew up and I was like, dad is cool. Dad's an engineer. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be an engineer. Um, and I definitely was always like a builder of things. Like my favorite thing growing up was building a fort. But whereas like normal children would just build a fort out of like pillows and a blanket. I like went crazy. I'd have like pillows, blankets, plyboard, like bungee cords. I would take all the chairs <laughs> from the kitchen table. This thing was like a thing of beauty and it would take me hours to build. Um, and so that was probably like the first indication that like, okay, Rachel's either like super OCD or maybe she would be good at this. Um, so yeah, just like things like that. So I feel like pretty early on in high school, I thought that that's what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, so that, that really directed like most of my college, um, college search up until the end of my senior year. I didn't even know that I was going to run in college. Um, mm -hmm. I sort of had once again, um, sort of progressed and got better as I got older so that my senior year, I like reached the state meet, uh, and did pretty well. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, like people run in college. That's a thing. Um, but it definitely that like came second to finding uh, a good bioengineering program. Mm. Yeah. Um, so after college, did you get your master's? Is that how it works with, <clears throat> excuse me, with engineering or do you get another type of degree? Yeah. So the way I did it is super confusing. So <laughs> technically speaking, I graduated from undergrad in three and a half years. Okay. So that was biological engineering. Mm -hmm. And then my final semester of undergrad, I was taking one class to finish that undergrad degree, but I was taking four classes to start my master's in mechanical engineering. So it's, 
Wow. In engineering, you call it an MN, so it's just like a one-year thing. Okay. So basically, I did both in four and a half years. Um, so the reason I was able to do that is because I had like a fair amount of AP credit, and I um, sort of like overloaded a couple semesters, mm -hmm. which was not fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it was great. Like it saved a semester of time and a um, semester of tuition. But yeah, my senior senior spring, while like everyone else was taking, you know, the bare minimum, most of my friends were taking classes called like beers and wines. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm like basically in grad school right now. So it was definitely really hard, um, mm -hmm. but I think it paid off. Um, but yeah, it kind of put me on like a different schedule than everyone else because mm -hmm. that was also at Cornell. Um, that was the reason why you could like start early because it was at the same school. That's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely really hard, like in May when everyone else graduated and then everyone else just like left me. I was like, all right, well, I'm still here for six months. See you later. So, um, so now that you have all these amazing degrees and you did such an awesome job with this, um, what is your current job and what are you currently doing for work? Yeah, um, so I work at an orthopedic research facility. So basically what we do is we do testing on medical devices while they're still in the development stage and before they go into people. So you think about it like if someone's gonna get you know a new hip or a knee or a bone plate or something, there's all kinds of regulations um, and testing standards that they have to go up to. So if a person you know, walks down the stairs or jumps off a swing, you want to make sure that like that thing is not going to break. So we do um, a lot of the testing and we also sort of are part of the process where the companies are designing them, sort of like helping them, helping them along the way. Mm. I bet that's fascinating. It is very cool. Um, yeah, it's definitely... I feel like it definitely hits kind of close to home because obviously running is super important to me, but just like right. being active in general um, is really important. And so when you think like most medical devices, the whole point is mm -hmm. to sort of like replace something in someone's body that is no longer functioning properly and mm -hmm. allowing them to keep moving, keep running, keep being active. Um, mm -hmm. So I can, I definitely like see the meaning in what I do in that like, I know, you know, yeah. like, if my knee were to go, I would want there to be the best knee in the world for someone to give me so I could get right. back to running. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it definitely uh, is very applicable. I have two follow-up questions. Okay, the first one, do you do, um, now, is prosthetics a different area and than what you're working with, or are you also doing prosthetics as well? Um, no prosthetics. So you mean like if someone were to be an amputee and they were to get like a new leg. So yes. I haven't done anything with that. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like that would technically fall under the umbrella of a medical device. Um, but we have not done any work, um, okay. with that, but I think, I think that that, that might. Yeah. yeah. I have a few friends who are engineers and actually work to develop um, prosthetics. So when I heard um, that you are in an orthopedic research facility, I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if she does anything with prosthetics or in that line of things. Um, so I, I was just curious. Um, and then my second question, this is really random, but have you ever met someone that you've made a device for? Oh, no. I mean, we're, we're more like, I mean, that would be like super cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're more like on the consulting side. So like, okay, gotcha. we'll, we'll work with a bunch of different companies and mm -hmm. we sort of are working with them in the early stages of their development. Gotcha. Um, it would be really cool to one day, um, yeah. maybe be like in-house at a big manufacturer mm -hmm. um, like that. But yeah, that would be, that'd be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Kelsey, I have two follow-up questions as oh, well. Oh, sorry. They're not, they're not the same ones, so oh, I good. thought sure we could overlap. Uh, so one being, and it's like, where do we start? One, I do want to get into, we don't have this listed, Kelsey, is, yeah. Rachel, I think you've battled some injury, so that's definitely an important note to include. Am I um, right? Uh, a couple. So I actually have been like relatively injury free in my um, career, knock on wood. I literally just knocked on the table because as soon as you say that, <laughs> Do you it. Like, wind up. Yep. <laughs> I'm always um, that weird person that like knocks on my head, on the table, on the wall. Yeah. Like I'm very- Gotta do it. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, the only, the, the only like major one, and it wasn't even that major, my senior year of college was I had like some tendonitis in my knee that it kept me out for like a month and it didn't really go away. I just sort of decided that I was done with it. And then I just started running again and then eventually it just went away. Um, which note that is probably not the way to handle 99.9% of injuries. Mm. Um, but then I did have one really bad one after I had graduated. So in the fall or like summer into fall of 2015, I found out I had a pelvic stress fracture. Mm. So that was not so fun. And getting injured like outside of the collegiate system is really hard. Mm -hmm. Like you just go to the doctor and you're like, uh, what do I do? Like it hurts. Like yeah. there's no trainer. You're like, oh my God, who pays for an MRI? So that was like very stressful. Um, yeah. And just like not having that whole support system and just like going to work and being on crutches and people are like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, where do I begin? <laughs> Did you take any time off um, after college or did you go straight into running? Um, so I, yeah. So because I did that sort of like four and a half year thing, mm -hmm. um, the fall where I was finishing up my master's, I was still at Cornell and I ran like a little bit, but more like just for fun. There wasn't a lot of real training. Um, and then when I took my new job in Boston, um, not this job, but my first job out, I took that in January of 2016. I took like a two or three month break from running where I just wanted to have time to sort of like assimilate into the real world and into working. Um, and I just, I didn't want the stress of trying to like figure out how to balance running and the job at the same time. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, okay, like you're in the real world now. Like not that I hadn't, not that I hadn't found balance before, but I felt that it was really important to give priority to my career. And then once I felt settled there, sort of figure out where running would fit in. Um, yeah, so I took that break. It actually ended up being a huge blessing because that was snowpocalypse in Boston. Oh. Where it literally snowed like six feet. And mm -hmm. I just don't even know where I would have run. Like, it, I mean, they were just like piles of snow everywhere. Like the snow plows would move the snow from the street into the sidewalk and people would shovel the snow from the sidewalk back into the street. And it was just miserable. So it ended up being good. And then I sort of just like started again in the spring. <laughs> was that in the, in the spring, like winter into spring of 2015? If you, I don't um, remember, but I thought snowpocalypse was like winter of 2016. Okay. Yeah. At least that's what people called it. I don't know okay. if anyone else called it that. But that's what <laughs> I, I was just curious because I can remember, um, I think it was the spring of 2015. Um, they were dumping, there was so much snow in Boston. They were dumping it into the Harbor. Oh, and then everyone was getting mad. Oh, Cause yes. they, they were like, yeah. and, you know, ruining the salt concentration. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They probably did it that year too. And probably, yeah, I just yeah. I was curious. Um, so I guess you mentioned a little bit before um, about finding that balance between your job and running. And currently, you are running. You are a very speedy runner. Let, I'm just gonna say it. You are freaking fast. Um, so, and you're self coached. Is that right? I am currently. Yeah, so, I am. Um, yeah, sorry. So how do you find that balance of like, I'm an engineer every single day, but I'm also a, let me get this right, a 241 marathoner. Holy crap. Excuse my language. Like that is amazing. So how do you find that balance? Um, and because you just talked about like taking that two to three month off break where you wanted to assimilate into kind of like a new stage in your life. So now that you kind of assimilated, how like, how how has that been going? I guess I should say. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel like as with like all the other stages of my like career that's included running, so high school, college, and now post collegiately, I feel like it's been like a, a slow progression. Where at first it's sort of just like me diving headfirst, trying to figure it out, like flailing a little bit, and then eventually sort of like getting my feet on the ground. Um, so yeah, those first those first years out were were kind of rough. Um, you know, that like first year, like, what was it? Yeah. In 20, oh no, no, wait, I think you're right. 
Snowpocalypse was 2015, because now I'm thinking about things. But anyway, so yeah, that first year, um, like just came back into running a little bit, didn't really like run that well. And then that all had my first like serious injury. So that was rough. And then 2016 was kind of just like a big rebuilding year and still just like trying to like figure everything out. Uh, it wasn't really until like last year, 2017, where I really feel like I found my groove. Um, and I think that came from starting to do the majority of my training in the morning. So I've sort of like become this like super morning person. Um, so just like figuring out how to like allocate my time. So at 6 a.m. when I wake up um, the morning, you know, that's like just for my training. And then being able to just go to work and like turn things off, like don't think about running, just focus on what I'm doing. Um, and then like coming home and then sort of just like flipping the switch back on and going out for my double or something. Um, but yeah, it's also, I've like gotten kind of creative too. Like I'll, sometimes I'll go to lift, uh, during lunch. I am a member of the Providence Planet Fitness, which is like a half mile away from work. So I'll just walk over there, do my little lifting thing and then come back. Um, I also sometimes run commute. So my job is only like 2.7 miles from home. So um, some like a lot of days, um, so my husband and I only have one car and we're trying to like hold on to that as long as possible. Mm -hmm. So I'll run in the morning and then he'll drop me off at work and then I'll just like run home. I have this like nerdy little running backpack that I put all my things in um, and then I just like run the three miles home or like add on a mile or something. So it's like little things like that, just like figuring out how I can like get more out of myself and more out of my day without like driving myself crazy. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely taken some time. Uh, and it involves like, like I said, like being creative and lots of communication with my husband, like he's a runner too. So, um, we're, I like to think of us, we're sort of just like a well-oiled machine now. Like you just, <laughs> you know. Um, well, I'm actually noticing like a parallel um, between your college self and your current self because in college, earlier you spoke about um, like compartmentalizing and that sounds a lot of like mm -hmm. what you're doing. Um, whereas like your morning time is your training time, your work day is your work day. You have a little break in the middle sometimes to lift. So it's like finding those parts of your day that just, you know, make it seamless for you. So it sounds like college was a, a good platform to help you get to where you are now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would be able to like be as successful now if I didn't sort of have that learning experience there. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, you know, it took me four years to feel like I really had had all my stuff together um, and I think a lot of the things that like I learned while I was there and a lot of like the time management skills that I developed while I was um, at school definitely I feel like prepared me um, to be able to sort of balance all these things mm -hmm. in my in my real life as I like to call it in the real world <laughs> um, real world is hard hashtag it real is. world oh my, oh my gosh, gosh. Bills. <laughs> Are so expensive. <laughs> Everything. Oh my gosh. Adulting is hard. <laughs> um, so I'm totally going to flip the topic right now. So just heads up. Okay. So um, in on your Instagram, um, you and just kind of in general, you've been really open about um, the importance of gaining weight as a female athlete. Um, and you spoke about gaining weight um, in your journey as a female athlete. And I think, Megan, you started to allude to this in talking about um, getting injured and taking time off. Um, so what was your – if you want to give us maybe a little bit of background on that topic first, and then I'll have a few follow-up questions afterwards, I'm sure. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so it's kind of a saga where I'm like, I don't know where to start, so I should probably just start at the beginning. Start at the beginning, so, my friend. In that junior year, actually like the summer between sophomore and junior year of college, I did lose a significant amount of weight. I lost like probably over the course of three or four months, like 10 to 15 pounds to the point where, where I came back over the summer, um, it was like noticeable and people, you know, started talking and stuff. Um, and so for the next, really that year, I stayed like pretty, pretty low. So I probably went from weighing like in the 140s, like maybe 140 to 145, probably at like my heaviest sophomore year, 
to being down around 130 and sometimes dipping under closer to like 127. Um, and for me, I'm 5'7". So that's, um, I mean, I guess for some people that might not be that low, but that was like really low for me. Um, so I was that way for most of my junior year and senior year too. And during that time, I was running, you know, super fast thinking, oh, you know, everything's fine, but actually was not getting my period. So I stopped getting my period in probably from August of 2012 and then didn't get it again until after my injury in 2015. So for three years. So I sort of just like lied to myself for three years where I was like, I'm running so well. And I think in my head, the fact that I wasn't getting injured other than that little like knee mm -hmm. tendonitis thing, I thought, well, you know, I'm not getting any bone injuries. So, you know, how can I, how can I have a problem? Like, you know, cause that's, that's normally like one of the major things that people think about is, you know, you lose a lot of weight and then you get a stress fracture, something like that. So that was like how I justified it in my head, um, which is not right, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until that say the, stress fracture in my pelvis, that was like a huge wake up call mm -hmm. where I was like, holy crap, like one does not simply just accidentally break their pelvis. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I mean, I know lots of people will get stress fractures in like, mm -hmm. you know, their shins or something. And a lot of times that can just be about form or something. But like, if you're getting a stress fracture in your pelvis, like one of the stronger bones in your body, um, that definitely shows that like something is very wrong. So that was like I said, that was like a huge wake up call. So that happened. I had to take off like three months and I went to the doctor. And at that point I had like shared with her, mm -hmm. she was like, Oh, well, you know, I wonder what could be wrong. I was like, well, you know, I haven't had a period in three years. You know, they do that thing where like, when was your last menses? And I'm like, mm -hmm. August of 2012. Like, you know, you like, you don't want to say it. Cause like when yeah. you say it out loud, you're yeah. like, okay, there's something wrong here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I mm. told her and she was like, okay, this is a problem. She mm. was like, um, you're not running right now. This is good. She's like, I want you to gain 10 pounds. And I was like, all right. And I did it. Um, begrudgingly. I, you know, it was hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely like felt like, you know, my body was, my body's changing. Felt like I was like a, you know, like a mm -hmm. teenager all over again. Um, but yeah, so things, um, things were definitely like changing. Um, but within, within a month, like I got, I got my first period back and that was really exciting. Um, and I've had it ever since, which is cool. Um, yeah. So now I'd say, I don't know exactly like what the numbers were then, but I know that for the last, the last like two or so years, my body is just really, really happy at 138 pounds. It's like, no matter what I do, no matter how much I run or how much I eat, that's sort of just like where it's happy. So it's sort of just like come to accept that um, this is probably just where I'm supposed to be. Whereas when I was in college and was at that lower weight, I felt like I had to like actively work to keep myself there. Um, and that's just like never, that's never a good place to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing. No problem. Yes. <laughs> it's not a easy thing to talk about, no. um, but I definitely think it's, no. it's important to, to share. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I want to definitely validate that it's not easy to talk about. And mm -hmm. I love for listeners who aren't, um, who don't know, we can see each other when we're talking. So when Rachel is talking about going into her doctor and her doctor saying like, like, when do you get your menses or the woman's last time you have your menses? And like that face of like, gosh, I don't want to tell her this, you know, yeah. it's, mm -hmm. that is a tough situation to be in because you, it's just hard. God, it's mm -hmm. hard, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, like I said, I feel like when you say it out loud, and you mm -hmm. like finally talk to someone else about it, all of a sudden it makes it very real, yeah. which like that is very scary, but that's also like the first step towards, you know, fixing something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a few um, kind of hypotheticals too, because I had a similar experience in college and um, had a few friends who had that experience as well um, in terms of going into your doctor and telling them that and them saying, oh, that's not a problem. You're a runner. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think, do you think you would have handled that any differently if you had 
you know, mentioned that and your doctor or any professional had said, oh, that's fine. You don't need to worry about it. Um, or do you know, yeah. like, is there an outside influence that helped with you, with your case? I'm trying to think. I feel like, again, because it's like such a taboo topic that a lot of people don't talk about it that like I tried to do some research you know like mm -hmm. I think after I hadn't had it for like a couple months so I was like all right like clearly I was like one clearly I'm not pregnant <laughs> so two yeah. clearly like something else is going on um so I tried to like look into it you know like googling I don't know just like top oh, Olympic runners or something I was like do they get their periods mm -hmm. and they're just like was like a dearth of information um but just that wasn't helpful mm -hmm. so I was like okay um you know like some people like, I mean, some people would be quoted as like saying like, oh, you know, I get it every month. Like it's totally normal. And so I'd be like, okay, well, you know, you weigh 110 pounds, but you still get it every month. So how is it that me at 130 pounds, I don't get it. So I was like, all right, this is not helpful. Um, and then there's, you know, stories like, um, who is it? Um, who she ran for the UK. She has a podcast, Laura Muir where she just like didn't get it for like nine years and just like didn't tell anyone mm -hmm. and like because she felt so ashamed she like actively would just like pretend like she had it so i was like okay are other people like these top athletes mm -hmm. do they actually get it or do they not get it but they're just saying they get it because they don't want to seem weird so that's all of that to say that there was just like no real helpful information out there and i definitely like can remember telling like a couple people or just like mentioning it and yeah i would get that thing where people are like yeah well you know like you're a runner it's so, like that's not that weird and i was like is it like i don't know so yeah it just felt like okay like all right no one seems super concerned so i guess it's not a problem that's a tough place to be because when you don't really know what's going on and of course like the first thing i would do the same thing like the first thing to google like or to like you know and you see all these conflicting messages it must have been super overwhelming and like really like gosh what do i do now you know so i want to give you credit for going to your doctor and really being open with her and letting her know what was going on and i like you said before it was hard but clearly it's you know it, you're gotten you've gotten to a better place um, than yeah. where you were. So um, kudos to you, Rachel. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely been, um, been a journey and a journey that I still feel like I'm on. I feel like I'll always mm -hmm. probably be on. I feel like, I don't know, like once you, once you become sort of like conscious of things like weight and the way your body looks and like, you know, calories and things like that. It's like, it's like knowing a secret and you can't unknow it once you know it. It's like someone telling you that Santa Claus isn't real. Like you can't all of a sudden just like wake up the next day and you mm -hmm. believe that Santa Claus is real again. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like once you sort of, you know, have those behaviors and those like ways of thinking, I feel like you always sort of have to like actively work against that to just like not think in, you know, such black and white numbers and stuff. Um, but it definitely, I feel like as I get older and as I like go on, it, it is getting easier, but I do feel like, you know, it's like something that I'll probably yeah. always have to be like conscious of. Mm -hmm. Um, so you recently ran your first marathon mm -hmm. and you crushed it, like absolutely crushed it. 241 in your first marathon and you're going to Olympic time or Olympic trials, which is just like unbelievable Rachel um, so round of applause again <laughs> um, however you also wrote an Instagram post about stepping about towing the line and not feeling like you look like an elite marathoner um, what was your desire to write that post because I found it very powerful um, and very vulnerable as well um, so what are your thoughts on that thanks yeah I um Obviously, the race went really well, and after it was over, you know, shared lots of smiles and trophies and just, like, happy things, which, don't get me wrong, like, I was happy, all, like, real emotions, but I felt like it was important to sort of, like, show um, that even though, like, things were going great that day, that, like, leading up to it, like, I still, I still had my doubts, um, and I mean, 
I was pretty, pretty open with like the ups and downs throughout my whole training cycle. And, Which I absolutely loved following, um, by the way. It was so, it was so real, like so honestly real. Oh, okay. Sorry. I had, I had yeah. to interject that. Um, yeah. So like the day that it happened and like after, and I mean, when I say the day, I meant like the breakdown, which is how my husband and I refer to it. Um, I like shared that, oh, you know, like I had like a comp, like what is it? a crisis of confidence. Um, but I didn't, I kind of, I don't know, like it, it came and it went pretty quickly and the race was coming up so fast. So I was like, all right, like I'm in a good place right now. Like we're going to just like power through. But then once, once the race was over, I felt like, like I had to do that moment justice, um, mm-hmm. that like it was real. And, um, even if I had to like talk about it retrospectively, that I still felt like it was important to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway, like I was saying, you know, the day went really well and I sort of got the result that I, you know, wanted, which was to win the race and, you know, get the Olympic standard. Um, but I still had a lot of doubts leading up to that. Um, and yeah, it was just this moment, like, I think it was like the, Wednesday and the week before so like 10 days before I just like came home from a run and was just like standing in our bathroom in like sports and on a shorts and a sports bra and I just like felt so like blah like I just like looked at my body and was just like ugh, like you know I was just like picking myself apart and like you know doing the little like tweezers things on my thigh and was just like I just felt so just like not ready like I and I mean, I think a lot of it was brought on by just like the race was looming and I was starting to get nervous. But mm-hmm. I guess when I started my training in, you know, July or August, I had this like idea in my head that, oh, you know, I'm going to do all this training. I'm going to run all these miles and, you know, I'm just going to get like super fit. And like, not that I was like actively trying to lose weight, but I, you know, I kind of thought I was like, well, you know, if you run a hundred miles a week, like, you know, probably going to get leaner or something. And I just like in that moment, just stood there and was like, I don't look any different. And like, literally I weigh the exact same amount. So I just had this like crisis where I was like, how can I be fitter if I don't look different? Um, and then that sort of just like spiraled into, you know, I'm not ready. And like, what am I doing? Um, I feel like when I was in college and I steepled and I did like some shorter events, I felt like it was easier to sort of like feel like being strong was good. Cause I was like, well, you know, the steeple is a really tough event, you know, like you have to be strong and really like anything from like the mile to the three K is like, you know, it's like more of a fast event. And so in my head I was like, okay, well like these big legs of mine give me speed, you know, that's good. But then when I thought about the marathon, I was like, well, you know, it's one thing to like, you know, have a little bit extra like muscle or weight or whatever for like one mile. But I was like, you know, multiply that by like 26. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I weigh so much more than other people. I was like, I literally have to like carry all of this around. And then I just like started thinking too much about like the physics of it. And then just feeling like I like, how can I be a marathoner if I like don't look like, you know, a lot of these like other people that I see, you know, who are granted a lot of them are a lot shorter than me. People will be like, you know, five, three, five, five. But like they literally weigh like, 20 to 30 pounds less to me it'd be like if one of them just like ran without an arm or a leg or something like yeah you know or or conversely if they ran with like a 30 pound vest on how you know it just like that like you know you'd have to work so much harder to do that so I just like started thinking about it way too much and just like only thinking about the negatives and not like thinking at all about the fact that like well like just like I literally just am stronger I am more durable like I don't get injured and you know but I just all I in that moment all I could see was just like this is bad you are not ready like go home that's a tough place to be and um Um, it's a tough place to be like the week before a marathon because you get those (laughs) and like you start questioning everything you're doing and then to have these, you know, looming thoughts of like, I'm not good enough and such like that, it's tough. So first of all, I want to, once again, thank you for sharing that because I know it's not an easy thing to go through. Um, I can imagine it was very stressful for you and for your husband. Um, yes. <laughs> <Poor> yeah. <John. laughs> and for everybody around you, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I 
like nearly suffocated all my friends during my taper. It was just, I don't know how they're still my friends, but um, I don't want to diminish this. But um, so there's one thing that you brought up that I think is so important. And it was talking about certain quote unquote body types for certain types of events. And I feel like a lot of coaches will look at athletes and say, oh no, you're, you're meant to do steeplechase Mm -hmm. or you're meant to do the 5k. Yeah. Well, who are, yeah. who, who are they to decide? Like, I don't want to yeah. do the 5k. I want to run a marathon. Like my body shouldn't, you know, like that shouldn't be, my body shouldn't be a determining factor. Like my mm-hmm. choice and my, you know, resiliency or whatever it may be should be the factor in that. So I think you brought up a really great point, Rachel, in saying that, you know, it's, it's not, it's always important to look within oneself to really recognize what you want to do, you know, and not try and try your best not to fall victim to those stereotypes or what other people think you should do. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, I think when you put so much emphasis on a body type or a weight or, you know, how tall you are or something like that, I feel like it discredits all the other like attributes that a person can have. Like, like I said, sure. Um, you know, if you're if you're a male steeplechaser, it probably would be best if you were taller. Um, but that doesn't mean that a shorter person can't get over the barriers, or mm-hmm. you know, that like I don't know. I mean, a lot of the best marathoners in the world are typically pretty short and very mm-hmm. lean. But I feel like there's a whole host of other things. You know, maybe you're just really cardiovascularly strong. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe you're just really durable and you can put in a ton of training. Mm-hmm. and you know stay injury free or maybe maybe you have awesome mental strength and that mm-hmm. can come into like so like that can play so much more mm-hmm. you know over the course mm-hmm. of 26 miles than over the course of 1 mile mm-hmm. so you know i think it's it's definitely foolish to pretend like it's not a factor at all because it's totally. certainly you know it is um but it's not the only factor mm-hmm. and i think when mm-hmm. people make that you know the overarching thing like that has to be the only thing that defines you or that you know, chooses what you yeah. can do and what you can't do, then that's where, you know, I think you're just like, you're really discrediting people. Yeah. And I just want to acknowledge you too, because I think um, just how many people you're impacting that feel that mm-hmm. same way, like to know that I felt that same way and I'm more inspired by you because I, I'm 5'7", I have a similar type than looking at someone who's 5'2". And again, like taking the empathy this is off body types, but I think embodying a strong runner chick by, you know, your physical body type as well. And just embracing that is really doing a service, like by you stepping, towing the line and fighting through those thoughts and, um, you know, doing as well as you did, you're a role model for so many other people that are feeling the same way. So thank thank you. you. Yeah. It, um, it definitely, like we said before, it can be scary to be open about these things and to be vulnerable. Um, but just the overwhelmingly positive response that I've gotten from from people, you know, mostly women, but a lot of men too. Just people who, even if it's just like a simple comment that says like, "Thanks so much," like really needed this today. Like that that means so much, and that makes me feel like not only am I helping them, but like they're they're helping me too. Yeah. Um, so it definitely, I feel like it's like a, a pay it forward, like build the community yeah. mm-hmm. type of thing. And I do try to always like, I feel like when, like in talking about like my weight and things, I never want it to be where someone thinks, you know, like, well, she said that she cried because she was 138 and that, you know, if I'm 139, then, oh my God, like, you know, what am I, um, try to just make it more about like, it's all about perception mm-hmm. and about like mm-hmm. accepting myself and my body the way it is. Like, like I said before, you know, I weigh 138 pounds and maybe to someone else that would be too light for them. Or maybe in trying to get down to there, that would be unhealthy. Um, so it's really just all about like where you're at and accepting, um, you know, like not the, the whole like, you know, strong, not skinny thing. I know that that's like a whole, um, it's become like a whole hot button issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's more, it's not that there's anything wrong with being skinny. If you are just right. like naturally lean, it's mm-hmm. more just about like not trying to force your body to be 
anything different. And that could also mean, you know, if you are just like one of those people who's just, you know, always been kind of a twig, like not feeling like, you know, you have to go eat those hamburgers that someone always like magically tells you like, mm-hmm. you should go eat a hamburger. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just accepting like this yeah. is my body. So back mm-hmm. off. So mm-hmm. I think it, it, it can go both ways. And it's really just about like accepting where you are and being like confident in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And listeners, it's not hard to, it's not, excuse me, not easy to do that. So don't think that, you know, by us being like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like we're accepting our bodies. Like, right. no, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, it's always hard. So, um, I guess patience and time and mm-hmm. like Rachel said, yeah. really understanding being in tune with yourself, I think is really powerful and important. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rachel, thanks so much for sharing all of that. Um, and for kind of giving it out to the podcast and to the listeners, really appreciate it. You are most welcome. It was my pleasure. Um, so we did have a few readers and followers ask, do you have any upcoming races or any spring marathons or any big plans coming up? Oh man. Um, I just want to run all the races. Um, (laughs) yeah. So I'm trying to kind of like work backwards from the trials. Um, it is my intention to run that. So that's, uh, I think February 29th of 2020. So I'd like to do at least one or two marathons before then, because I still have so much to learn. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe another one in the fall, maybe Hartford again, since that went well the first time. Um, and yeah, definitely. I definitely want to do one in the spring. I don't, I don't know which one yet. Um, I really would like to do one where I get to run with people. I ran the last 18 miles of Hartford by myself. Um, so it's just, I mean, like I got to like catch up to some men and they were super encouraging for like the two oh, that's seconds awesome. we were in step. <laughs> But then I was just on my own again. So I think it would be really cool just to like run with people and sort of like actually compete with someone. Because like if someone had come up on me at like mile 26, I have no idea what would have happened. I feel like I probably just would have cried. Um, Yeah, so I definitely want to like get more experience with that. Um, But in terms of like what specific races, I don't, I don't know yet, but I do know I'm someone who like, I love to just do like local races Mm. and because I do like 99% of my training on my own. Um, a lot of times I'll just like jump into a local 10 K to do a tempo. Um, cause I'd rather like sit behind 40 year old men than run by myself. Um, yeah. So like, I'll definitely be in a ton of things. Um, just like low key stuff. It's one, it's just like fun. I feel like it's good for my training and it's just like really great to like be at races and be in the running community. Um, yeah, I don't know. I realize I gave like zero specific races. <laughs> um, so stay tuned, right? <laughs> all the things. I don't know. It's it's so hard because like I I literally I just want to run all of them, but like you can't do that. So I don't know. Somebody was like, you should do Boston, but I don't know. I feel like I still need to do some learning in like a lower key environment before I go into like before I go into that. I feel like that's gonna be like. That's the big leagues now. That's the big time. I yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. <laughs> Especially um, with your time, you, you'd be in like an elite field. So Oh my God, yeah. I know. I'd be starting out in front of everyone. Yes. So then, then yeah. if I have like, well, I don't know. That just seems, that seems very stressful. So That's, you know, know what? Yeah. And it sounds like running brings you so much joy that being in a stressful situation just kind of kills it. So yeah. do what's right for you. Yeah, for sure. I'll find another, another smaller one, maybe with some guys running in like the high two thirties and yeah. So we'll see, but yeah. I promise to announce it. I'm not like, I guess, cause like, I'm not like a, you know, like true professional professional where like, there's no appearance fees or anything. So like, I don't have to like wait yeah. to announce it. I sort of just like, as soon as I like register online, I'll be like, all right, I'm running. <laughs> so like when I know y'all, yeah. there's no, there's no mystery here. I'll have to keep my eyes peeled because um, since we are fairly close, like I live in Western Mass, um, I feel like our paths are going to cross with the races oh, we yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, any good suggestions? I was looking at the Vermont City Marathon. I heard oh. that that can be a good one. It apparently has some horrible hill late in the race, though. So that was like frightening. Ooh. I can ask, I have a really good friend who just ran New York this past weekend, um, Lauren Ross. Oh, we interviewed her on the podcast. Um, and she, um, 
ran New York this weekend and she ran uh, Vermont City. Um, okay. So yes, I will, I'll keep you updated on that one's supposed to be really good. Thank what you. other local, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. There are a few okay. that I was looking into as well, but um, yeah. I'll definitely let My you know. My worst fear is that it'll like randomly be a hundred degrees. I know. And I will like sizzle like a yeah. sausage on the sidewalk. <laughs> so I just really don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, there's there's one on Cape Cod um, in February though, and that one can be like touch or go because sometimes the Hyannis one. Yes. Yeah, I did the the half mile the half marathon there a couple okay. years ago, and it was like pretty good, but like it also course. could have been snowing. So exactly. Like, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So that's a touch and go with that one, but that one's a really good course because you just do the same loop twice, so you kind of know what's coming, yeah, and it's, and not, it's not very hilly. hilly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, what's currently making you thrive? Oh man. Um, I don't know. I guess just like since the marathon is so new and there's so much to learn and so many, um, like new strategies, whether it's in training or fueling or the actual race that like, that's really exciting to me. Um, after not steepling anymore and sort of feeling like, not like I'd like hit a wall in other events, but kind of felt like a little stuck in like, you know, the three and the five and stuff. It's just really exciting to feel like there's like this whole like unexplored universe mm -hmm. that is the marathon. Um, and just feeling like there's so much for me to like try and like, I feel like so much room to improve. Um, I know that, you know, that improvement isn't going to be, you know, this beautiful linear curve. Um, but just the prospect of like knowing that like there are different things and um, like in a race that long, you know, like you can tweak one little thing and then, you know, when you multiply that over the course of the whole race, you know, you can make big gains. So I think just being really excited about like new, new possibilities, I feel like very renewed, I guess mm -hmm. is a good word for it. So I'm thriving off of that. Oh, I love it. That's so yeah. exciting. <laughs> Um, so we always ask two final questions to all of our podcast guests. The first one being, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh man, oh, younger Rachel. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I would tell her to slow down both figuratively and literally. Um, literally because literally in college, I used to do like all of my easy runs at like 6.30 pace, which was not an easy run. That was like a mini tempo run every day of the week. That was mostly my senior year when I did all my runs by myself and I was miserable and I was like, I just want this to be done. Um, but more figuratively, just to sort of like slow down and enjoy life and enjoy um, just like my time with people and you know, in certain, like, like just being in college, for example, um, you know, I mean, I wouldn't go back and like, you know, I don't want to change anything that I did. Like I loved my experience there, but like, you know, people say, you know, college is the best four years of your life and you don't get it back. And literally like, you don't realize that until you get older and you're like, wow, like that was so fun. Like never else in my life. And I just like, go out at midnight dressed in a toga and just like do whatever I want. Like it's so yeah, true. So, you know, it's just like, that's not socially acceptable outside of college. So yeah, just like slowing down and like enjoying things as they come and not always looking too far in the future. I feel like I definitely was like, like I would finish a race and then even if it was a good race, I would just instantly like, focus would just turn to the next one. Like, all right, got to do the next one. How can I make that better? Um, I feel like I didn't really like celebrate things enough. Um, whereas like with Hartford, I like, I celebrated. I'm still oh, celebrating. It is a month you, later. Yes. <laughs> We're just going to celebrate forever. Yes. Um, so just telling her to just sit back, enjoy the ride. It'll all be okay. Mm. Yeah. All right. Final question. What does being a strong runner chick mean to you? Uh, I feel like I touched upon it a little bit earlier, but just like being okay um, in my own skin. Um, so again, I feel like we've talked a lot about what that means as 
far as like mm-hmm. physically what I look like and what I weigh and stuff like that. But also just like being, being like unabashedly myself. So if that means like being silly or, you know, oversharing about stuff or just, I don't know, just like being my weird quirky self, but like being totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just feeling, you know, like being, being, um, I don't know, just, just being like true to myself and not feeling like I have to like put on, put on any front that like in being my best me, I am being like my, my strongest me, like me being the most true to myself, even if I have my faults and my, you know, little weird things, that's still going to be like a way more powerful version of myself than if I was trying to be, you know, something else. That's really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I just, you know, just pulling it out of the air. <laughs> Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, I think we got out with enough time for you to go vote. So go vote. (laughs) I want to make sure you get to that. But um, thanks again for sharing all that you did and being so open and honest. And um, I just, I really appreciate it. And I think our listeners and followers will too. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you ladies. (laughs) Thank you again. Go ahead, Meg. Oh, we'll wrap up here. All right, Strong Runner Chicks, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day and um, tune in soon. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.